Coming up next on Faith to Face with Pastor Johnny Trevino. And so if you're looking at this chapter and you're looking again at this thing, condemnation and justification, Jesus came into the world to bring salvation. And who are those who are condemned? The answer to that question and more up next on Faith to Face. Welcome to Faith to Face, the weekly church services of Calvary Chapel Living Water in Garden Grove, California, taught by Pastor Johnny Trevino. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, the Bible says that we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Until then, we're called to read, practice, and grow in the faith that Christ set the example for. It's not in the attaining of perfection, it's the reaching for and the striving to live out the life He wanted us to lead. As we do, we sharpen our faith and we see His face in each other. We see Him faith to face. Here's Pastor Johnny. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The title of the message is No Condemnation. We're going to spend some time in Romans chapter 8. We're going to spend a few weeks as we go through it. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. And go before us, Lord. Again, we just thank you for all that you do. And open your scriptures up to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Let's read verses 1 through 11. And then I'll kind of break it down. We're not going to teach this section expositionally. Um, I'm going to do that as the weeks go on. But I want to read it so that we can have a context. And then as we break it down, I think it'll make sense. Let's go. Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So, then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's the context of what we're looking at. So here we are at this place. And how did we get here? The title again, No Condemnation. And that's the good news that we began. If we were to go through to see how we got here, beginning in Romans 1, we start in Romans 1 and in verse 16 and 17, Romans 1. I'm going to take you guys through a little bit of history, how we got here. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, 
and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so you see in chapter 1, the theme of the book of Romans is introduced. It's the righteousness of God. And how do those who want to end up in eternity spending time with God get this righteousness of God? It's telling us that it's from faith to faith. And as you go through, that's the introduction saying that this is the righteousness of God. That's the good news, the gospel. But and then he goes into, before giving us how that takes place, he goes into the bad news. And the bad news is all are guilty. And so, as we looked at Romans 1, 2, and 3, we saw that all were guilty. Each message was titled, All Are Guilty. Chapter 1 was, The Heathen is Guilty. Chapter 2 was, The Religious Person or the Hypocrite was Guilty. And then we saw in chapter 3, The Hebrew or the Extremely Religious Person, the person that has a code to live by. And so, that was chapters 1, 2, and 3. And that was the bad news. Towards chapter 3, toward the, to the end, he starts getting into the gospel. Now that we know that the bad news is that nobody in and of themselves can come to the Lord, we start getting into God's plan and how he um, has declared that we can be righteous. And so as you read through chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, you get the doctrine of justification. And the doctrine of justification teaches just as if we've never sinned. Um, as we get into justification, it speaks of our past, that we are justified, and our past is taken care of. In the present, it's sanctification, and that's what he's starting to get into in chapter 8. So our present walk with the Lord uh, declares sanctification and how we can be set apart for God. And then, of course, in glorification, our future as well in God is taken care of. The opposite of this condemnation that he speaks of now in chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. The opposite of being condemned or having this condemnation is justification. And so that's kind of what I want to look at first. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is the opposite of justification. Let me read you. In chapter 5, verses 16 and 18. In Romans chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from the offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from the many offenses resulted in justification. Verse 18 in chapter 5 says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification. And so the opposite of condemnation, justification, the opposite of justification is condemnation. The condemnation came to all men because we are all in Adam, and that's what he's saying. As you go through chapter 8, then, what he's referring to in this justification and no condemnation is... It, it's not that we are struggling um, as Christians. It's more he's, he's comparing the two. People who are, who are in Christ, are, there is no condemnation. People who are not in Christ are the ones who are condemned. And so 
again in chapter, if you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, hold uh, Romans 8, we're going to come back to it. You see the ministry of Jesus in John chapter 3 and what he came to do. And in this, again, by point of comparison, there is, um, I struggle with, I guess, trying to figure out the difference between individuals who are able to come to church, are truly saved, and then the world and individuals who aren't saved, and, and trying to find where that is. And so the difference between being justified and condemned, or having justification and condemnation, for me, as I look at individuals, I look at people who may go to church. I see people at work, and I see them, and I wonder, is this individual a Christian or are they not a Christian? And many times I'll, I'll think, well, they go to church and they're doing certain things, but I look at the life and the lifestyle, and I, and I always just, I'm always wondering, wow, you know, where do we draw the line? And I think the Bible makes it clear, and that's kind of, as I was looking at this and studying it, kind of the things I was thinking about. So again, John chapter 3, the gospel is revealed in, in verse 16, John three sixteen, and it has five points. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Five points. For God so loved the world, one, that he gave his only begotten Son, two, that whosoever believes in him, three, should not perish for, but have everlasting life. So if you know John 3.16, and if you can just remember John 3.16, you know enough to share the gospel. As we go on in verse 17 in John chapter 3, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so Jesus didn't enter into the world to bring condemnation to men. He, Jesus came into the world to bring sanctification, salvation, this justification that we're looking at. And so he didn't bring condemnation, but nonetheless, we're going to look at who are those who are condemned. Verse 18 says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Verse 20 says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And so if you're looking at this chapter and you're looking again at this thing, condemnation and justification, Jesus came into the world to bring salvation. And who are those who are condemned? Those who are condemned are those who are holding God at arm's length, who are practicing things that are basically in darkness, coming to the light would expose those things, because light exposes darkness. As again, we go to Romans chapter 8, the no condemnation are to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me read you, um, a letter that I wrote to Pastor Daniel. For those of you who are visiting, Pastor Daniel is the senior pastor of our church. And right now he is in um, Houston, Texas. 
And we were given the address to be able to correspond with him, to um, see how he's doing and just to let us know what we're doing and how things are going here. And so he'll be there for a short period of time. And I wanted to bring him up to speed at where we were as a church while he's gone. But I also want to hear back from him and see how he's doing. And so in that thought and in that vein, I wrote him a letter. And I I wasn't planning on sharing it, but I think it goes along with what we're looking at. It says, Dear Pastor Daniel, I hope you're doing well. My constant prayer for you is that God will continue to reveal his will for your life. I hope and pray that while you are in Houston, Texas, that you will have access to some type of therapy and ongoing treatment to help you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I believe that this time of isolation is a strategic opportunity for the Lord to have your undivided attention to minister to you in a way that you wouldn't be open to if you were down here. Do not let this time go by without turning your heart over to the Lord in such a way that you are wide open to allow him to reveal his will for your life in the next stage of where he wants to take you. I believe that you can experience the spiritual breakthrough that we have been praying for you. If you would allow God that place in your heart that he has been waiting for you to surrender. I strongly believe that this is why you are there. When you return, I would like to sit down with you and communicate the vision for your life that God has revealed to me. I don't want to do this if he hasn't first brought you to the place he wants you to be at. You have an entire congregation that has been unified through this trial that you are currently going through. The wonderful thing about our creator is he is not into wasting the difficulties that come into our lives. The Lord will be faithful to extract every ounce of goodness that he wants for his glory as a testament to his faithfulness. You need to maintain your eyes on Jesus Christ during this very difficult time. If you choose to look to the Lord in your pain, you are guaranteed to come through this better than you were before. On the other hand, if you look away from the Lord, you will grow bitter. As you look to the Lord on a daily basis, you need to glorify him in the process. God is not asking you to understand. He is simply asking you to trust and obey. The Bible declares that you know he is working this out for your goodness because you know God and are called according to his purpose. When we study the life of Job, we discover that after his difficulty, he walked away with a greater understanding of who God is. What you are currently going through is for the same purpose, that you would come away with a greater understanding of who your creator is. Read Romans chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, and 12. Through that section of scriptures, you will see what the Lord is currently showing the congregation and be brought up to speed with these incredible truths that are life-transforming. Enclosed is a sheet of what it means that we as Christians are supposed to do to look like, I'm sorry, that we as Christians are supposed to look like as we recognize that we are supposed to be dead to self. I miss seeing you. I look forward to your soon return. If there is a way you can communicate how you are doing, I would love to hear about it. I would love to update the church members about what you're doing and when you expect to return. Agape in Christ, Pastor Johnny Trevino. And so that's a letter that I put out to him. And then let me read you um, what it is to die to self. And this is going to be kind of going back to Romans chapters 5, 6, and 7 
a little bit. And as you read through those, you recognize what God is calling us to do in dying to self. And as Pastor Daniel goes through this very difficult time, I was just thinking as we're going through this section of Scripture, it's no coincidence that this is where we find ourselves. And as you and I as well go through difficulties, these are the things that God wants to minister to our hearts. Dying to self. When you are forgotten or neglected or purposely set at naught, and you don't sting and hurt with the insult or the oversight, but your heart is happy being counted worthy to suffer for Christ, that is dying to self. When your good is evil spoken of, when your wishes are crossed, your advice disregarded, your opinions ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rise in your heart or even defend yourself but take, it, take in all in patient, loving silence, that is dying to self. When you lovingly and patiently bear any disorder, any irregularity, any impunctuality, or any annoyance, when you stand face to face with waste, folly, extravagance, spiritual insensibility, and endure it as Jesus endured, that is dying to self. When you are content with any food, any offering, any climate, any society, any raiment, any interruption by the will of God, that is dying to self. When you never care to refer to yourself in conversation, or to regard your own good works or itch after commendations, when you can truly love to be unknown, that is dying to self. When you can see your brother prosper and have his needs met and can honestly rejoice with him in spirit and feel no envy nor question God, while your own needs are far greater and in desperate circumstances, that is dying to self. When you can receive correction and reproof from one of less stature than yourself, and can humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly, finding no rebellion or resentment rising up in your heart, that is dying to self. Are you dead yet? In these last days, the Spirit would bring us to the cross. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. As I look at um, what we're going to be going through in Romans chapter 8, and I consider what the senior pastor of this fellowship is going through, and what many members of, of this congregation are going through, it's awesome how the Lord wants to minister to us in the midst of our pain. Eventually, as we go through Romans, we're going to get to Romans eight twenty-eight. And we know that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. As we get there and as we make our way there, we want to lead up to the point where we need to be very careful not to indict God as we go through the difficulties that we go through. John Corson puts out an entire study on Romans 8.28. And the gist of his message is that we need to be very careful not to blaspheme God as we draw undue attention to ourselves and our struggles and the things that we go through. Because in that, oftentimes what we do is we indict God. And so I'm I'm giving you kind of the end of where we're going to end up going before we get there, almost as an introduction and a preparation 
I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. As you go through a difficulty and then somebody recognizes it, either because you communicate it or because they're just aware of what you're going through, they want to come alongside of you and they want to bring you comfort and they want to empathize with you, they want to hurt with you and feel for you. And so oftentimes when that happens, that comfort feels good and you just you recognize, wow, that's pretty awesome that I cannot suffer alone and I have an individual that's able to relate to me and to hurt with me. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And then the next time you go through a difficulty or struggle and that, again, takes place and somebody comes alongside of you and brings you that comfort and that um, assurance and that empathy, again, you're ministered to and, and you're able to take in um, the thing that your flesh is craving and desiring. And again, I don't think that's bad. But if you begin to grow into a pattern where you're willing to put yourself out there to people in the difficulties that you go through and you receive that comfort and that empathy, it gets to the point where a habit can begin to develop. And this is kind of where this derived or came from. I remember a very difficult time that I was struggling with and going through while I was at Calvary Chapel Downey, people would come up to me and ask me how I was doing and want to pray for me and empathize with the struggles that I was, I was going through. And I remember walking to the sanctuary where I was going to teach. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and just giving me that assurance that he's ministering to me and he's, he's fully aware of what I'm struggling with and he's meeting my needs. And then I remember somebody came up to me and, and again they asked, you know, how am I doing? Can I pray for you? And I remember I just, in what God was doing, I had this thought, I don't want to be constantly known for this individual that is struggling and always needing individuals to look at me and my struggles because the Lord is ministering to me. The Lord has given me what I need. And I want to begin to glorify the Lord and I want to bring that comfort that the Lord has given me to people and say, you know what? No, appreciate you praying for me. I want you to continue to pray, but the Lord's meeting my needs. The Lord is ministering to me in a way during this very difficult time, in a way that no human can minister to me to. They don't know the depth of what's going on and the broken heart and the struggles that I'm going through, but the Lord knows it intimately. And so I got to that place where as I thought about it, I just, I didn't want to constantly bring attention to myself and, and people looking at me and my needs and my struggles. And I wanted to draw them to the Lord. And as I look at this situation, as I look at what Pastor Daniel's going through and that struggle, I know that God is there. I know that God is ministering to him in a way that none of us can minister to him. And we don't want to cease to pray for Daniel. We don't want to stop to lift him up to the Lord but at the very same time, rest assured that God is on the throne and that God is doing something supernatural in that man's life that all of us here together couldn't do. And so it's not so much that we're feeling sorry for him as much as, wow, it's a difficult thing that he's going through, but we don't need to feel sorry for him. We need to continue to hold him up to the Lord 
and leave him right there at the, at the feet of Jesus so that Jesus can do what none of us can do in his life. And the, the same thing has to be true in your life and in my life. As you and I go through difficulties and struggles, we need to be careful that we don't elevate the struggle that we're going through, the difficulty that we're going through, to take away attention from God and to bring it to us. We need to be careful to make sure that we let people know that God is meeting our needs. That the grace that we need in the time of of what we wish maybe we weren't going through or or the struggle that we're having is it's okay because God is meeting me right where I'm at. As we get to Romans 8.28, you and I don't want to be a people that are blaspheming the Father as if he's not meeting our needs, as if he's not giving us exactly what we need and indicting God and his goodness in our lives as we struggle and go through difficulties. And so my encouragement as I receive it and give it to you is be very careful in the difficulties that you go through. And if God is not meeting your needs and if God is not giving you the grace that you need, then a question mark has to take place. Is God messing up? Is God not being faithful? And if that's the case, then then something's wrong. Then we need to be driven back to the word and we need to figure it out because God is faithful. The Bible declares that even when we are faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And so again, my encouragement is I think it's okay to put the the fact that maybe you're struggling out to individuals to be able to let them know that you're, you're in pain and that you need that comfort. Don't make it a habitual thing in your life, a habit, but also make sure that you even come behind that and let them know how God is ministering to you because God is ministering to you. God is faithful to minister to you. Let's pray. Father, take um, that which has been said and uh, bring that truth, Lord, to our hearts. Not a regular study, not even a study, even just an opportunity, Lord, just to share something very small but profound. And Lord, as we go through the book of Romans and as we have an opportunity to, to dissect it and break it down, Lord, I pray that you would bring those truths to us in a way that is just impacting in our lives. Father, that we wouldn't be content to stay where we're at, Lord, but that we would be challenged with the truth that your scripture has to be transformed by these things, Lord. And so, Father, we lift up Pastor Daniel. We pray, Father, that right where he's at, that you would minister to him, that you would show yourself strong to him. Father, no longer having an ability to communicate through words we know that that must be a difficult thing for him but we know also father that you are faithful and that you are doing something that we can't even see something truly spiritual behind the scenes and we pray father that in his soon return to us that we would recognize what that is that you're doing and how father you were able to just do what no person could ever do in this man's life Father, I pray for the brethren as they struggle as well, that they would be submitted to you, 
allowing to others to see the goodness that you bring into their lives. So, Father, go before us. Continue to be with us, Lord. Bless the fellowship and just the time that we have together, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Faith to Face, the weekly teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel Living Water in Garden Grove, California, taught by Pastor Johnny Trevino. Calvary Chapel Living Water of Garden Grove meets every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 12732 Main Street in Garden Grove inside the Courtyard Center in the Promenade Park at the corner of Stanford and Main Street in the heart of Orange County, just three miles southwest of the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim. To listen to this or any of the other services taught at Calvary Chapel Living Water in Garden Grove, go to our website at cclivingwater.net and click on the message link at the top of the page. Scroll down and click on the Listen tab. That's www.cclivingwater.net. Or you can call the church at 714-584-5452. That's 714-584-5452. Or send an email to comments at cclivingwater.net. That's comments at cclivingwater.net. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Christian. We'll see you next time when we meet with Christ face to face.